Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. Just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent, only in theaters May 17th. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class, a production of iHeartRadio. Happy Friday. Welcome to our Friday casual behind the scenes. I'm I'm Tracy B. Wilson. (laughs) I'm Holly Fry. Excited it's Friday. Yeah, it it is it is Friday in uh in the day that this is episode that this episode is coming out. We're in a little unusual situation in this particular Friday behind the scenes. Um, which is that the the thing that we are gonna talk about in the second half of this week's behind the scene as a, at this moment is a total mystery. Um, uh, because we haven't recorded it yet or figured out what it's gonna be about. Yeah, we will. Um so in in five minutes or so. Uh, you will know more than we know currently about at the moment we're recording this. Holly, um, did you ever take home ec? <laughs> you know I did not. Yeah, I know because you told me, and then we saved this conversation for now. So I'm about to learn along with you all, lis- listeners. Okay, so um, I grew up in a very sewing family, mm-hmm. and my mom was an assertive woman. Um. And I had watched my two older sisters. My um, my siblings are older than me by a significant amount. They're all clumped together, and then I'm like the second marriage baby. And so I had watched my older sisters take home ec, which often resulted in my mother marching down to the school to yell at the teachers about the stupid things they were teaching her children, how they wasted fabric, how they didn't know how to bake bread, etc. And so... When it came time for me in junior high to decide whether or not I wanted to take home ec as an elective, there was a brief 
but very clear conversation with my father of please don't put the family through this again. <laughs> oh goodness. <laughs> I kind of love this story. Well, and I have to say, like, for me, uh, because I started sewing when I was three. So, like, by the time I was, like, five and six, I was, like, begging neighbors for their, like, fashion magazines and trying to make copies of dresses for dolls out of them. Mm -hmm. So, like, by the time I got to the age where I would have taken home ec, I wasn't really cooking because my mom didn't like other people in her kitchen messing it up but I was already sewing way past what they were going to teach me oh sure and they're like make a pillow that looks like a computer like that was not gonna do anyway so I kind of like even potential skirmishes aside if I actually looked at the coursework I was like this is not interesting to me anyway um yeah but yes it was a please save us all the trouble of having to um talk down your mother and potentially school administrators from a fight Sure, sure. I also did not take home ec because I also grew up in a in a sewing household. Um, like my mom had taught me to sew from the time that I was small, and I also had spent the summers. We grew all of our vegetables, and so I had also spent summers helping can and freeze and otherwise prepare food that we were preserving for the rest of the year. Like that had been just part of my upbringing, and. I was in 4-H, and 4-H, I don't know about now, but 4-H, when you're a girl in the 1980s, when you're a girl, is a lot of home economics-focused stuff. Like, I had a whole lot of 4-H stuff that was about sewing and was about cooking, um, and I took a lot of courses that were uh, part of the whole 4-H experience through the Agricultural Extension Service that we talked about in the episode. We would go down to this place um, that had a more formal name, but we called it the Ag Building, and it was the building where, like, all the extension classes and things were taught. And so, like, I had had a lot of both casual home instruction and more formal instruction that was uh, related to what would be taught in um, in home ec class. Home ec had nothing for you. Yeah, so I took shop. Shop also had nothing for me. Um, because the school was so afraid that we were going to hurt ourselves that we weren't allowed to use any of the power tools. Mm. Um, oh, no. Yeah, it was, it was, not, it was not a good experience. Um, I did want to share something with listeners that I already shared with you, Holly, as I was researching this episode, which is um, the the September 28th. I, I wrote 2019. That's not correct. Um, it was uh, a 1929 New York Times article titled, expert adopts a baby. <laughs> um, and the first sentence, I mean, the, I went on a journey with this article, which is three paragraphs long. The first sentence of it says, Dr. Louise Stanley, chief of the Bureau of Home Economics of the Department of Agriculture, has adopted a baby girl, following the example set by her friend and housemate, Mrs. Mabel Walker Willebrandt, a few years ago. So that sentence caught my attention because sometimes in things like news articles and obituaries and stuff like that, when someone is described as a friend and housemate, sometimes that is code that they were really a couple. Yeah. Uh, and so that, that I was like, sometimes that's not code, but sometimes it is. And so like that kind of caught my eye. Um, and then it goes, the, goes on about their house being on 18th Street and Annabelle Matthews also living there with the three women being nicknamed the Brain Trust. Um, and how when uh, when Mrs. Mabel Walker Willebrandt moved to the house she had just purchased in Georgetown, they wanted to still have a child in the house. 
Um, and then the next, the last sentence of it was, Nancy comes from the University of Iowa, where she'd previously been a practice baby from earliest infancy. And then I was like, hold up. What's a practice baby? <laughs> I went on just a whole <laughs> voyage with this one thing. Um, and I was like, okay, the fact that this article uses the word practice baby in this context, like it's clear that that's a common enough term that everyone would have known what that meant. Um, so I was like, I'm gonna have to look into this. And I'm currently looking into this. You, that we may be about to seamlessly transition into a behind the scenes Friday about practice babies. I'll be, you'll be surprised or not. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> I'm scared of the practice baby episode. Yeah. Because it, I don't know. It, will reveal what a monster I am even more oh, no. than already. Because I'm like, please don't give me a practice baby. Yes. My well, hat's people... off to parents, but that is not a space I should be in. <laughs> yeah, just because of the strange way that our, time, our show works in regards to time sometimes. People listening to this episode, they will already know what Wednesday's episode was about. So this is not be as surprising anymore. But uh, you're, just, you're seeing it unfold as it all happens. <laughs> Uh, so the first half of this behind-the-scenes episode was recorded an entire week ago, and we talked about not knowing for sure whether an episode <laughs> about practice babies was going to happen. happen. Obviously, it did. Uh, yeah, Everyone got to go on that journey with us. Something I didn't get into in the episode, but that I found when doing research, uh, is that from time to time, these would become sort of like public interest news stories where the local paper would talk about the new practice baby at the at the home ec program. They tended a disproportionate amount of the time to happen when the baby was a boy. And some of the ways that they talk about it is gross. Like there is just a weirdly titillating sly underthread of what a lucky boy with all of these young, attractive college girl mothers. Uh, and I, I did not enjoy reading that. <laughs> no. Why I did not, which is why I did not have any of it to be read from in the episode. I mean, that still happens. Yeah. All the time. Like, have you ever been at, like, a big group gathering or, like... I don't know, a shower or something. I don't go to many showers because I'm kind of a monster, but um, where there's like a, a predominantly women group and someone has a small child that is a boy. And mm -hmm. they do the same language happens about, oh, he's going to be a ladies' man and he loves having yeah. a... It's like, what are you talking about? He's a kid. He's a baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I... I've definitely had friends um, who have talked about the way other people talk to and about their babies um, and are like, no, he is not flirting with you. He is a baby. Like, he is a <laughs> child who is fascinated by strangers. Yeah. Um, a another thing that we did not really get into is that, like, I absolutely understand how, how people can find the whole idea of this as just innately horrifying um, and and have concerns about whether being cared for by so many different people who were students was harmful. Um, but a lot of the research that was being done into uh, into mothering and parenting at the time, like a lot of it, there were there were valid results that still hold up today. But a lot of this is also time when research was being done that was used to suggest that 
Um, basically, anybody who was not neurotypical in some way, th- it was because their mother had done it wrong. Right. Um, like, this was the same window of time when there was a lot of discussion that, like, autism was caused by bad mothering. And there's just so much to unpack with that kind of sentiment. Um, like, it's, it's ableist, for one thing. It's ableist and it's sexist at the same time. But that kind of mindset was informing all of this concern. And so, yeah, the, the things that I was the most horrified in all of this was uh, the part where <laughs> the part where children were in deprived circumstances where they had anemia and rickets and were not being cared for. That, to me, was a lot more horrifying than the idea um, of being cared for by 16 women in sequence over a period of weeks. Right, with, like, supervision involved. Yeah, yeah. So there is some continuity to it, which we didn't really talk about a whole lot, right? Like, they're they're non-continuous people, but presumably if there is one proctor, supervisor, whatever, involved in the process, there is a degree of consistency. Yeah, yeah. And and I we didn't really get into this this part of it either, but in some of the things that I read that were, like, manuals about starting practice baby programs or... Uh, or discussions of how the programs worked. Like, the person who was considered to be ultimately responsible for the care and well-being and safety of the baby was not a student. It was the faculty advisor that was part of this whole process. Right. Um, And then uh, it also made me think about um, all of the ways that people learn by practicing on actual living human beings. Uh, like, I, I used to do, when I lived in Atlanta, my primary care doctor was at a teaching facility that was part of Emory's um, residency program mm-hmm. for uh, for primary care doctors. So I had so many different normal, but also uncomfortable and invasive uh, exams. Like, <laughs> I had a number of PAP exams by people who were students. And in one case by a student who I'm not sure had ever held a speculum. Um, and, like, it's, it's sort of part of how learning works. Uh, and I guess the difference between that and, and practice babies was, like, I consented to being right. um, examined by students, and, and babies are babies and cannot give consent. Right, you and had agency who, in that whole yeah. process. So anyway, like, I, I, I absolutely understand how, how, uh, how many feelings this brings up with people. Oh, yeah. But the the things I was angriest about were the the things that were about um, babies being forcibly uh, separated from their parents because their parents weren't married and right uh, and and institutions where they were not getting sufficient care and love. Yeah, it puts me in mind a little bit. And again, I am not a parent nor an expert in child rearing. But there was a while back when we were still, uh, you and I were both working at How Stuff Works in an editorial capacity for the articles that were going on the website. And I was co-editing a bunch of articles that were about parenting styles. Mm -hmm. And there was one that really stood out to me because this was kind of at the time when a bunch of different parenting styles were commonly being discussed, argued over, et cetera, in the news, like whether being a tiger mom or being an attachment parent or blah, 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 any of those various sort of parenting trends were worthwhile or not. And there was one particular um, piece of research that had come up in an article I was co-editing where their summation was kind of like, 
really, as long as the parent loves the kid, that's kind of the determinant of yeah. success. Um, yeah. And so if a child is getting love, they're probably going to be okay, even though there may be variations and some may respond to different situations better than others. But like, overall, everybody has some neuroses. And like, the, right. it was kind of like the best you can hope for is that a kid is loved and cared for. And I was like, oh, that's a very simplified way to put it. But it it makes all the sense in the world. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's some uh, complicated social history. Somebody, uh, I was talking about this on on Twitter and how some of the very horrified articles that I had read that were, you know, written within the last few years and were for, you know, just a general audience um, had had taken an, an, a horrified and kind of angry tone about it from the start. And some of them were like, and no one ever researched any, how any of these children came out. And uh, like, that's not actually true. Um, we talked about some of the research that was done and I was, I was tweeting about that and somebody asked me like, were these kids okay? (laughs) Like, and I was like, yeah, that's, it really seems like most of them were not harmed and probably it was a better situation than they had been in. Um, and it reminds me of the, uh, the incubator babies, which we, which I mentioned at the top because, People would be horrified today if you were like, we're going to have these babies and incubators at a carnival sideshow. Right. But at the time, that probably saved their lives. Here is my greatest disappointment after doing this episode. Oh, okay. No one has started a metal band with the name Mothercraft. (laughs) That's all I could think of the whole time. (laughs) That feels like a good place to end the discussion. Uh, send us notes. Uh, send us emails. Like we said in the in the episode um, itself, we are planning a Q and A episode, um, and that's uh, only going to work out if we get good questions to talk about. So, um, history podcast at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff You Missed in History Class is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. 
Looking to part ways with complicated, expensive, and uncertain shipping? Then give your business the edge it needs with USPS Ground Advantage Shipping from the United States Postal Service. Keep everything simple with clear upfront pricing and no unexpected surcharges. Keep things affordable with some of the lowest prices out there. And keep it all reliable with on-time ground shipments. It's time to turn shipping to your advantage. Learn how at usps.com advantage. USPS Ground Advantage. Simple, affordable, reliable. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.